Brilliant Mirror! Thank you for watching another episode of Help Me YPN. I'm your executive, Kevin Percelli. And uh, shout out to all the sponsors. We got two with us in this episode, which is great. Um, So let's hear it from uh, Justin Bush and then Brian Acosta. Tell us about your companies. Hello, beautiful people. My name is Justin Bush. I'm with Cross Country Mortgage. We are a 50-state direct lender. Um, Certainly in this market, we are seeing a lot more opportunities outside of a direct lending space. That means broker products, so debt service-related opportunities for national loans as well as anything that you could possibly need when it comes to residential lending. Uh, that said, pass it on to the next sponsor. Brian. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. Um, guys, Revival Capital, we're changing the game in South Florida. If you want to know how awesome we are, just go to Google and search us and you'll see uh, over a hundred five-star reviews. So we would love to serve you and thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so this episode is all about investing. So let's lay it all out to begin with. Uh, Most of you should know this, Uh, but let's talk about the different types of real estate investing, but let's go around uh, until we run out or until someone can't say one. So go ahead, Brian. What was that? I'm sorry. What type of investing? Just the name of an investment. What type of of investing in real estate? Um, Multifamily, multifamily is big. Fix and flip. Single unit. Honestly, I think the first type of investment starts with your own. Mm, that's good. I'm going to do something sexy. Trailer parks. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've never heard of a trailer park investor. Keep going. You have to elaborate on that. Yeah. I will. <laughs> like now. You're up. Uh, it's thirty-one exchanges. Uh, bird method. Buy and hold. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, next. Listen, listen, this trailer park thing is really yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> for me, just so you know. Mate has always got the curveballs. It's beautiful. Okay, so uh, we, we, we talked about a few. You could have said industrial. You could have said commercial. Uh, vacation. <laughs> Warehouse. <laughs> Warehouse. You know, right, but we're business. good. We're good. We need, to, we need to continue on with the podcast anyway, so I yeah, appreciate it. Well, this could have gone for hours. Um, so how did you get started investing in real estate for everybody who's invested? Uh, you, you got any, what investments you got? <laughs> Dumb luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny how life works out. I actually was renting a place. Um, seller needed to sell it. And this actually happened to work out right in 2010. So he purchased, I believe, for two twenty-five. actually bought it, um, 70000 cash at the time, owned a title company, a real estate company. Had a couple, you know, uh, mortgage relationships. So... I think I was out of pocket on a whole deal like five grand. So that was just dumb luck. That's how I got into it. Um, now I have a few and always looking to expand that. Cool. Uh, and uh, a few years ago, I inherited a property from my grandfather and um, I took a cash out refinance, took that liquid, leveraged it into acquiring multiple properties, use, utilizing uh, private money. And um, it's been growing ever since. Congrats. Go on. So, um, you know, Catherine mentioned the, the first home, and it's and that's why it's beautiful, right, to own a home because at the moment that you buy it, it's something meaningful for your family, but it ends up being a blessing to you. We were actually a uh, similar story to yours. We were renting in the home, and um, and I actually told the, the landlord, I said, one day you're going to sell me this house, and he was like, no, 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 I'm not going to sell his house. And one day he just came, and he's like, remember when you told me that, you know, you wanted to buy this house? And he's like, well... 
today's the date. And so we bought that house and it was a blessing to us. It had two units in it. So it was awesome. It helped us pay that, uh, that mortgage, which was great. And now even to this day, we still have that property rented out and I was able to refi cash out. So use a little bit of all your strategies to, mm -hmm. to grow and continue to build a real estate portfolio. Mate? Uh, 160 acres in California was first purchase. After that, duplex in Cleveland, house in Miami. And a trailer? Uh, not trailer. <laughs> oh, the whole damn park, baby. <laughs> the, 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 the trailer is like a master degree. I'm, I'm not oh, there okay. yet. Okay. Uh, single family home. And then uh, I did the, the last one was uh, buying a four uh, duplex lots that, with business partner. Rezoned and uh, we got the verification letter that we can build up to 72 units. Uh, so now we are looking either to sell it to developer. We actually had it under contract. Fell apart. I think we're gonna go to the route uh, where we're gonna get a site approval. So we're gonna invest again some money and time, get site approval, and then uh, sell it for much more. Nice. Very nice. Well, first, my own property. I mentioned that because you have to initially, and it's the same way you have to educate your buyers and not get so emotionally involved and make sure that you everything in real estate is an investment even if it's your own home the worst thing you can do is being emotionally attached to that property and overpay especially in certain markets like if we have a very a highly appreciating market it's okay to overpay a, a little bit for that property because you're not you know you're gonna get it back but i want to say i was smart about my property um, about almost a little over 10 years ago, and then I do have another investment property that rents out. Catherine, yeah. was that a listing appointment that you went to? The house that you purchased? No. No? Okay. No, I'm asking because a, a lot of agents do go to listing appointments, which we should, and, and majority things like, how can I lease this property? When really the first question is, should I buy it? That is very true. Ah, that's and a good you point. Up a point. Yeah, you yeah. a great point. Keep going into that list later on, Mate, that you were talking about. <laughs> it's pretty well. Um, so, okay. Uh, I, I actually overpaid for my property, according to the appraisal, for sure. But it was the, during the end of the hot market that we just went through. I really wanted a house close to work, so uh, I pulled the trigger. But I'll get it back. I have all no, the no, faith no, that no, I No, 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 but I know back. when you bought it. And you bought it at the right time with a good interest rate. Yeah, so that's true. you have equity on it. I so, got a percent again. on the world right now. What and also, it? what does that do for your lifestyle? Uh, so my lifestyle actually in Doral's fantastic. Right, you don't have to drive very far to work. Yeah, right. no, and, and Doral's great. And comparatively speaking, where I was before, uh, in in multiple instances, this is probably the best outcome. The trailer so. park. I know, no, there's no trailer <laughs> parks in Doral. Not yet. Well, the average average net worth of the tenant is just under six thousand. The average net worth of the homeowner in this country is around two twenty five thousand. So the difference is huge. So even though you feel you overpaid at the long run, yeah. trust me, you didn't. No, as, no, I'm really not worried. Great information as a homeowner, I think you always feel like you're overpaying. And even when you're servicing your buyers and you just have to bring that to mind and show them, like I said, the appreciating market. If we're in an appreciating market that right now it's normalizing, let's say five to 10%, show them how much they're going to be gaining year over year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even if you're locking it in a little bit of a higher interest rate, you can always refinance afterwards, and that's going to lower your down payment, uh, not down payment, sorry, your monthly payment versus renting, where you have no choice. You have no say over oh, yeah. your monthly payment. You're paying payment. for someone else's mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and you don't and get it, any tax benefits. No, yeah, you're exactly. right. And you are, that's going to be increasing year over year over year. Mm -hmm. Ten years on the line, I'm going to be paying more or less the same amount. Yeah, I'm if happy. You're renting, to, you're going to be paying substantially more. Yeah, I think we're all happy to be building equity. So, speaking of building equity, obviously investments do that, right? So, um, how do you determine a good area to invest in, guys? I mean, I think it's uh, having a pulse on what you see as developing in the area, right? Um, and I think that's uh, really big, if, especially starting out. Like, if you're an investor, you should really start in your backyard. Um, try to find out if there's any plans for development and proximity of whatever you're looking at. Um, just to give you an example, um, I started out investing in Liberty City, and I know a lot of people shied away from it, um, you know, because it's a bit of an urban area. But um, what I paid attention to was the proximity that it, it, it lies within close to the Miami airport as well as in proximity to downtown. It actually sits in between um the airport and downtown like right right by the 112 so you know as that starts to develop over time i'm talking about properties that i bought in the 100s they're appraised at 300,000 you know so you keep know, holding yeah no <laughs> for yeah sure. that's key and I, just like a little tip of advice for new agents on your matrix set up hot sheets get to know the neighborhood mm -hmm. so you could start identifying like when you're seeing the hot sheets once you start seeing and uh, knowing the average price per square foot, you're going to immediately see what's undervalued. And then you could take a look at that property and see, okay, what does it need? Is it a reno? How much is it going to take? Especially when you're working with investors and you're going to start identifying hot zones like that, that then you can start then pitching to your investors. Very nice. Uh, uh, okay, uh, go. Also, we either seek cash flow or we seek appreciation. Mm -hmm. So depending on what specific investor or ourselves are looking for, you know, many times I'm, I'm simply a numbers guy. Like I, I'm more, wanna, I, I always want to secure cash flow mm -hmm. versus uh, appreciation. I'm not so attached to the appreciation. Is it appreciation good? Yeah, especially if you come across a good land deal where you can go through the rezoning, that can be a, a jackpot. But ordinary deals, I, I really focus more on cash, cash flow than anything. Mm -hmm. So what can I buy it for? If it needs improvement, how much improvements are going to be? And what can I rent it for? Mm -hmm. So when you live in your own house, are you doing the same thing for when you leave? Or what about there, like well, in your main dwelling? I, I, I mean, well, I didn't make a mistake. I, I sold it to the family that is very close to my heart. Um, and no, I'm in peace with that. And moving forward, that's it. Are you renting them? Currently, yes. Cool. Currently, yes. Smart. And I, have, <laughs> I, I say this actually all the time. Like, we're not ready to buy or... Better to maybe invest, take what you can, yeah. leverage more in the right way, Yeah. Obviously. Well, as a, as a realtor also, I don't feel I'm not a buyer at the market value. I'm the buyer at 70, 75% at the most. And I do come across people that needs to sell yesterday. So if they need to sell and they have a number that would make them happy and that number makes me happy, I'm gonna buy that property. I mean, that's what happened with the house that I purchased and sold. Yeah. So you guys like stretch outside the market because you know me as a lender, 
know, as I as I mentioned before, I'm not really the guy to drive around and really understand the real estate market. Like that's not really my jam. I just don't like it very much. I rather rely on you. That's what we count on, you know, professionals such as you guys. So, you know, when you start to see a market get a little tense or a little, you know, clunky, uh, Miami's gotten a little confusing, you know, for a lot of people, or tell me why it's not, because I certainly hear that from a lot of investors right now. Where do you go? You know, what's next? You know, like outside the market, like do you stretch into yeah, you so know, I, I started. Well, I started outsourcing to different markets. Um, to be honest with you, um, I started out in South Florida, of course. Um, but you know, like as you, you know, as things started getting tighter, and, and the struggle with you know properties in South Florida is the increase in insurance, um, the increase in taxes because the appraised assessed values are are increasing. So like you're not really cash flowing as much as you used to if you were if you didn't pro- purchase a pro- I'll give you an example um, I bought a house in Opelika, uh in 2021 and uh, for 153 and it was great you know the mortgage was at a 3.2 interest rate um, and I was paying before the taxes increased uh, about 1200 bucks a month so I was like cash flowing maybe about eight nine hundred bucks. Um, on the rent, and then New Year comes around, taxes and the insurance. The insurance almost doubled up, so then my uh, monthly mortgage was pretty much just paying the what I was getting from the rent, and so it didn't make sense anymore. And then that's when you kind of have to, you know, have that realistic conversation with yourself, like, okay, is it time to liquidate this specific property? If you're not cash flowing, it really doesn't make sense. And, I, and actually, that's when and we had another podcast um, speaking about relationships in other markets. That's when it's really con- the relationships you have in other markets, whether it's other countries or even within the U.S., if you want to keep your money within, yeah. comes into play. Because I, Kyle, he was in one of the uh, podcasts recently. So the last investing podcast we did. Yeah. So perfect example. He was here recently and we were speaking and he just happened to catch me on a call with an investor and i happened to mention what i was pitching them and he goes oh that's a 10 percent cash flow i'm like yeah that's fantastic anyone that knows miami right now that is a fantastic return yeah. mm-hmm. and he just did not seem excited and i'm like oh i'm sorry what is you know the average return in nebraska he goes the average is 10 and i was just like what's that's wild, right? And so that's actually why I kind of pointed on that is like leveraging relationships outside the market mm-hmm. has got to be where we live, right? Yeah. Whether you're a lender, um, you know, again, we're 50 states, so I tend to have a lot of conversations outside of just Florida. And you do start to see that, you know, we don't have to live in this South Florida bubble, but mm-hmm. we certainly have to love it, understand it. Mm-hmm. But where do we go, you know, as we're embarking on? ever-changing markets right we got to open up our minds and obviously with the way information moves certainly is um opportunistic yes. and even within florida there's still so many untapped markets jacksonville that, just outside right that even if it. you build good relationships with agents you could partner up with them i did one deal in gainesville where i partnered up with an agent over there and i thought it wasn't going to end up going over there by it was a close friend i ended up driving up there for the inspection and all that and i learned so much more because even if it's within the same state and you have the licenses within the the same state it's a different market 
the ground is different the inspections are different just everything about it is different so it's good to learn about the different areas so now if anybody comes to me i can actually talk more about that particular city and it's a fantastic investment there's so many other pockets in florida that you could tap into without going outside mm -hmm. and another conversation that i think is important to have i was actually just telling an agent um at lunch today i'm saying i don't hear anybody talking about depreciation and so the thing is is that right now in a market where the cap rates aren't that good and it's it's tough to find like those deals that look really juicy most people that are buying investment properties are high income earners and what does a high income earner need how do i save money on taxes if every year i'm stroking a check to the irs or whatever x amount of money how do i fix that problem well the way you fix that problem is by acquiring real estate so even if you're just breaking even on your mortgage the depreciation that you can get from owning millions of dollars in real estate is going to literally disappear income so when people get mad like how come trump paid zero dollars in personal <laughs> taxes i can't stand it <laughs> that's, that's true. how that's how right Dude, owning smart. millions of dollars in real yeah. estate and we can do the same thing right obviously maybe maybe having to start at a smaller scale Very much, but, yeah, but, but, still, but yeah. still being able to, to share that strategy because if the focus is just on the cap rate you know that's that's not going to be the main focus right now it's going to be hey have you seen the appreciation in florida do you know what's going on in this city do you know what's going on but hey can i talk to you about depreciation you know connect with a with a good accountant that understands real estate so that you can you know connect them and share that with your clients right wow. and then even if it's not a good cap rate now like let's say five years ago because it's never a great cap rate when you purchase a property it's like five years ago it was four or five percent and they were looking at a 10 15 now because the appreciation and rent and value you are getting then they can also do cash out refis and now mm. use that money for another investment property which right now maybe we'll, again we'll give them a four to five but down the line five ten years they're gonna get them at that ten to fifteen percent so it's the mentality that we have to teach of them thinking long term also so is the, is the target to act acquire like just get them to acquire as much as possible you know, as long Within as they reason, get it. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, they've got to be able to at least have someone else pay the cost, right? Like, you don't ever want to acquire and be coming out of pocket. Right. Um, obviously, cash flow, to your point, and your point has been the key in having a cap rate. But the cap rate can disappear very quickly if you want to acquire, mm -hmm. right? It could literally be exhausted or you may be coming out of pocket, but it could be opportunistic. And I, and I would say don't get emotional. Mm -hmm. Buy something yes. for the sake of buying. At the end of the day, you want to have something where it's paying itself and it's also giving you ability to build the reserves. God forbid you have to change the roof or AC or something else. Well, the tenant is not going to pay for it. You're going to have to write a check. So be, be really logical. There's no emotions in investing, in my experience. And I did make a lot of uh, emotional mistakes in investing in real estate and stock market. Oh, stock market. Uh, uh, yeah. That's a different topic. Yeah, no. I, 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 lost, I lost some money. I have some fun lost money Was stories. It on Bitcoin? No, stock market. You said stock market. No. Yeah, stock market. I mean, stock market. But that, that'll be fun. That will be a fun question to ask in a different podcast. But let's, let's stick close to investing for now. Um, so let's switch it up a little bit. It's still all about investing. But uh, there was a question submitted about how can you start investing with very little money? We all know investors. Yeah. We all know investors and it's about presenting a plan. If you can present a good opportunity and maybe let's say get a cut or a small percentage of it, 
and present it correctly, that can be your in. I think that he or I have a really good approach to this. Keep going. Buy a property, leverage it as a primary residence the first time, and then do it over and over again. Yes. Every single year, you can upgrade, come up with a solution. I'm pretty sure that's what Simo does. He talks <laughs> about that in a different podcast. <laughs> you know, so it's if you literally have only 5 or 3% or 3.5% down, you can buy your first primary residence with that amount of money, even with gifts from family, friends, employers, etc. And you can do it again next year. Ask uh, Ask good sell, uh, ask good questions to sellers. Yeah. And if their goals are matching your goals, well, guess what? You already have a. We're not gonna say how many percentage, but you have already realistic commission to chip in. So if you're smart and you see the property is gonna appraise, well, you can actually grow in the contract price mm. and have your uh, closing cost paid, or you can do the ten. I'll tell you right now. The house I purchased, it was 11% commission. Wow. Why? Because I had that much room. So that whole commission paid for almost full renovation. Wow. Yeah, I've done that. I've, I've leveraged my, my, my licensing to, um, you know, acquire real estate, you know, in good faith, of course. But, you know, um, like, for instance, like my primary residence, I bought it, uh, got commission on it um, with a, a few more percent, just like Maite um, was alluding to, um, where you pretty much come to closing with zero dollars, essentially. And I've done that multiple times. And that's like my license, my licensing has allowed me to really grow in the real estate space. And I think a lot of realtors don't take advantage of that um, with you know acquiring real estate. Um, when you talk about like investing as far as like with very little bit of money, you could do a lot of things, right? You could do, um, creative financing where you can, um, leverage with an initial bank and you can find an investor that will fund the down payment that you're supposed to have. You can write up a second mortgage and, and record it and do it the right way with a note. Um, and you know, promissory note promising them to pay a certain percentage back to them over time. Um, I've done plenty of things like that, but my start with investing came from, you know, diving into private money, of course, putting 15 to 20% down, um, and then, you know, fixing, flipping it, then refinancing, getting that cash back, and then repeating that process over and over again. So um, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat when it comes to investing. I think a lot of people mentally see a hurdle where, man, where am I going to come up with this money? Money is everywhere. It's The power is in the deal, in the opportunity. So if you have a deal, now you have an opportunity to go out and start, you know, presenting that to other people. Like you said earlier, um, where you can go ahead and leverage in the property with little to no money at all. And that's how I built my business. Well, to, yeah, to, to jump in. So, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. To the, the biggest deal so far is that piece of land, another trailer park. I literally sourced the deal. I negotiated. Told me. They were asking 180 per lot. I negotiated down to 120. Mm -hmm. We purchased four duplex lots for 480. Mm -hmm. And I put $6,000 out of my pocket. All in. And another, my business partner got the financing. So we were all in 480 something. Mm -hmm. And we went on the market for 1.25. That's it. Yep. Beautiful. And you're still holding that bad boy, right? Yeah, yeah and, like and, and now, and, now and, you have the money to go back at it. Yeah, yeah, and, and now instead That's of cool. because it was it, we didn't have a, a we didn't have a, we just had a verification letter 
we didn't have a site approval, but now we go, uh, I'm pushing like, hey, let's invest 50 more thousand, mm -hmm. go through the site approval, and then instead of 1.25, we ask 1.8, 1.9. Like, I'm not in the rush. like that. And also understanding that the money you invest should be the money that you don't need to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Right. To add to, to what Justin said uh, about the uh, financing piece, um, you can also do uh, uh, FHA and buy a, a fourplex, for example, with only 3.5% down. And now the loan limits, obviously, depending on what county you're in, I think they're all the way up to close to a million. Um, we're actually over a million for a fourplex. And so so that's one way. Uh, you can also do a second home uh, with only 10% down. And as long as you uh, spend some time in that property during the year, um, you can. it's actually you're able to rent it out. So a lot of people don't know that, but you're able to, to do that with a second home, um, which I think is pretty cool. And another thing is partnerships. So if you don't have, if you don't have um, the money to buy a deal, maybe you're able to find the deal and you can bring somebody else on who might be able to finance that deal because you're the one that was able to find something uh, of value. So, so that's another way to, to do it as well. Nice, way to close that out. That was perfect. Um, is it possible to invest outside of your local market and would you recommend it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's very much possible. I do it all the time. Um, what I would, you know, advise is to entrust in a real estate professional in whatever specific local market that is. And that's what I do. I, I entrust my business with um, investor friendly realtors. Um, I got property in, properties in Virginia and Texas. But the only way I was able to do so is to have a real synopsis as to what's going on in that market. And the only way you could really find that out um, is to entrust uh, in a realtor that can give you um, some comparables within proximity of the home and a real scope into the value of the property because the, the last thing that you want to do is invest blindly. Um, so, you know, it, there, it's definitely possible to invest in other markets, and I would recommend it um, if you have the right team in place because um, sometimes it can be a nightmare in a sense where you don't have the proper... Uh, staff when it comes to renovating the property um, so you have to think about all of those things too not just um, acquiring the property but how am I going to put this together do I have a team um, competent enough that where I'm not really foot on ground um, that I can entrust them to get this job done where they won't run off with my money because there's been <laughs> so you're hey. saying there's no ocean front property in Arizona man listen, <laughs> I've had some I've had some 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 nightmares where you know you run into a janky contractor <laughs> yeah everybody runs into that janky contractor hey, you, you're gonna it, it's a part of the game you can run, in, run into that yeah you're, you're gonna, gonna run into it everywhere you know sure. but you know you you know, if you if you're dealing with an investor friendly realtor, though, they normally have like contacts that they can True. give you that they probably did deals themselves um, as far as <laughs> fixing flips. And so that's how I've been able to kind of leverage relationships and being able to grow out my business that way. That's super valuable. Yeah. That's super valuable, especially for everybody who networks across the United States like that's. Yeah. A really good point. I mean, mm -hmm. my family's even got burned by a, a contractor, and I've talked Janky. to so many Janky. other people. Janky. <laughs> Listen, Janky's a perfect word, yeah. actually. Perfect word. But <laughs> uh, so, what, what else you guys got on this oh. on this topic before we switch it up? Well, going to the conferences is important. That's where you really find those great agents. Yep, that's where you oh. build the relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, I I don't ask uh, for a referral fee on personal deal. Mm -hmm. 
like I rather yeah you earn your commission you help me as investor I I don't need I don't need uh, additional commission because I'm an agent and I'm asking for referral all the time that's good yeah all like I, I have a, I have a that's friend smart. that I'm coaching from San Francisco he works for a different company and I'm doing a real estate coaching for him and he wanted to invest five hundred thousand straight into South Florida mm-hmm. and I started talking with him I was like well listen buddy you know I can get you this but I'll send you to my buddy Cody from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He's gonna get you much more. Mm-hmm. Like the very first deal that he presented, it was 15% cash on cash. I was like, mm, yeah, nothing like that here right now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And that's cool that you hooked him up. That's yeah. really, yeah. that's really amazing. Yeah, and, and, and my buddy was like, you keep the referral fee. I don't need a referral fee, even though he's a realtor in San Francisco. And my, my buddy from Alabama is gonna be more than happy to, to give me a referral because of the. Well, and it's all interchangeable, yeah. right? The reality yeah. is, is refer in and outside the market, right? Yeah. Like always go and leverage everywhere. Yeah. You know, that's got to be the key. It's all relationships. Wow. All right. So everybody's like probably super pumped, like after this podcast, if they watch it this far, <laughs> um, be like, I'm definitely investing. So let's bring them down back to earth a little bit. Um, what risks are involved with investing? Besides the janky, but no, um, risk associated is, you know, investing in a market that you're just not privy to. Um, my advice to beginning investors would be to, um, invest in your back, your, in your backyard first, um, somewhere that you're familiar with. Um, I've made a mistake in the past, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about their failures, but, that was, <laughs> start, but starting out in all seriousness, starting out, um, you know, I took a very big loss um, in my business by investing in Houston before even investing in South Florida. And um, because of just simply because of the price point, I was like, man, we are not getting prices like this in South Florida and it enticed me. Um, but I still overpaid, um, you know, and also a risk associated is, you know, like he said, being emotionally um, filled with about a property and not knowing when to exit out of it um, is definitely one of the biggest things. And, you know, just not buying within the parameters of what your formula is, right? So I know he said 70 to 75. I won't touch something 70 to 75%. Um, I normally buy 60 to 65% just to give me that wiggle room for error. Um, but uh, there are the, the, the rule of thumb is 70% minus the repairs. And if you don't stick to that, man, you can get in some really, really sticky situations. Thanks for the formula. Yeah. That's <laughs> really cool. You don't hear that every day, man. Yeah. For real. That's this is the real real stuff. What else do you guys got? No, one thing being very conscious of having reserves. Cause even though there's very savvy ways of investing, buying properties for let's say rentals and getting investors involved, but at the end of the day, you are responsible. If something goes wrong, you have to pay for it. And if you don't have the cash you're you're going to be in trouble yeah. well yeah. basically being overly optimistic i'm i'm by nature optimistic guy and it, i burn myself a few times on that <laughs> so I'm, I'm sharing right now so people don't do it mm-hmm. ask someone else who has investment experience hey yeah. can you review these numbers and this deal for me mm-hmm. no emotions True. And and take it for granted. If you trust that person, and the, because not, at the end of the day, numbers never lie. Mm-hmm. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Like, right. Tell me honestly, what do you think? Does this make sense for you or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's knowing that no, you know, all investment has risk. You know, when you when you say I'm going to invest, it doesn't matter what type of investment. 
there's going to be a level of risk. And the greater the reward, right, normally means the greater the risk. So I think depending on what type of investment you, you want to invest into and what risk you feel comfortable with, you know, there might be a greater risk, you know, in a, in a fix and flip and having to worry about the janky contractors mm-hmm. and having to worry about that versus maybe having a turnkey property where maybe the return isn't as great, but you know it's in a great area that's going to appreciate and there's not much to do in terms of repairs. So I think, you know, each investor is going to have their appetite about what works for them. I've seen people that have built an entire portfolio of condos because they don't like headaches. They don't want to deal with, you know, fixing stuff. Other people, single family works. Other people want the building. They want all the doors in one you know, in one building. So you got to find, you know, what works for you. But no matter what option you take, if you want to invest in real estate, there's some risk. But I think in Florida, there's less risk than in other places. So. Yeah. And, and listen, I'll, I'll just top it off. I think the biggest risk you could take is not educating yourself to really understand what it does take to invest in real estate. Um, certainly, there are thousands of resources. I don't care if you're a realtor out there, or you're, you're just someone who's thinking about buying their first investment property or maybe even the primary residence, but everyone really does want to help. Um, it's not hard to find someone that wants to help. So if you don't take that risk, meaning just ask, ask for help, I promise you, you'll certainly find investment opportunities, meaning you'll be educated. It might not be tomorrow, it might not be in one month, but in one year, you could be so ready because now you know how to plan. And I would say that's really the worst thing you could possibly do is not go at it, yeah. you know? No, that you hit you hit that on the head. Yeah. Like the the biggest risk is not doing anything at all. Nope. <laughs> because I got it's time, right? And that's that goes right. For, it's yeah, like time. 100%. It's like we all know that accrual, like yeah. you know, the IRA accrual mm-hmm. thing that we didn't do. Like we didn't put two thousand dollars into our IRA starting yeah. at eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, every single year. The compound yeah. effect. Eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I mean, just think the Dow went from probably like at most ten k to now what? We're still in the thirties. It's so that you your exactly. money tripled essentially during that time. Yeah. Well, and it compounded. That yeah, was yeah. Really it's what like it, the that's really what it's about. It's yeah, about opportunity cost. Right. You know, so yeah, I think that's the biggest you know takeaway is let's go. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You got to play to win. Um, so, what resources would you recommend to get started in real estate investing? And this is closing it out. So, all like, these guys. We will all these guys. Smart, <laughs> super smart. But uh, but yeah, what what would you what would you look into getting into if you want more information, whatever else? Well, if you're a realtor and you don't educate yourself, then you're doing the service not only to people that you're servicing, but you're doing the service to yourself. So I would start with books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Million dollar real estate investor, hold, flip all great books uh, by the same author. Uh, Bigger pockets, amazing podcast. Uh, following people that are doing the activity not talking about activity mm-hmm. uh, so make sure when you like I, I follow Brian Gubernick for example the guy is a I, I don't know how many doors he has but he he's actually who introduced me into the trailer parks where he's get he uh, uh, we have like 30 seconds the guy purchased a trailer uh, a mobile home and he renovated it and instead of selling it he did owner financing and he was getting like crazy amount of return when i say crazy like he's getting like 30 per percent cash on cash plus he's holding the note 
Why? Because he purchased for cheap, he renovated, and then he was like, okay, I'm gonna do owner financing. So he get like 20% down and he's holding the note for 30 years, like on crazy. Like when he broke the numbers for us on one of the conferences, I was like, wow. I love trailers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, and, and just to top it off before you guys have to close this thing out, is I actually did a, a pre-approval and actually went into um, contract with a borrower who owned seven trailer parks throughout the United States. Some were in Alabama. I mean, there's one in Alabama, three in California, two here in Florida, and he had one somewhere in like, I don't know, somewhere random like Tennessee. The guy was worth millions and millions and millions of dollars because he owned trailer parks. Mm. True story. Couldn't make it up. He was complicated because he had a religious thing about taking loans, so we never really kind of came to fruition on the way he wanted to approach a loan. But that said, to your point, I, I laugh because I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it. And it's insane. I mean, his numbers, like I saw his tax returns. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. I have a question though. Your investments in trailer parks, do they own the land? Yes. Okay. Big yeah. difference for anyone do, that's but listening. They own, but I promise you, those things, they pay. No, no, no. They I know. Pay. But big difference for anyone that's, that's listening. Yeah. Oh, well. That's a good question. It's, yeah, yeah, you got to be able to figure it out. But yeah, the point is, is learn it and you'll find a way. Right? Other resources, like if you're not a realtor, you know, um, there's third-party sites, like, if you want to feel a little bit more confident and, you know, evaluating the property that you're looking at and trying to assess it, like PropStream, where you can just put in an address, and it has, like, pretty much a nationwide feed where it's connected to so much data, whether it's on, on MLS or um, outside of MLS closings, and it allows you to assess deals. It allows you to target uh create targeted farming campaigns and things of that nature. Um, so if you're a beginning investor, like there are so many tools, but at the end of the day, the best tool, the best resource is a real estate professional mm -hmm. hands down in their local market because they understand how the market's moving, certain areas that you probably should take a look at or certain areas that you may want to stay away from. So. I think if you, you know, entrust in a realtor, that definitely will allow you to become a bit more successful in investing. Yeah, I always point people to bigger pockets as well as a starting point. And I say, look, if you want to learn, there's a great place. There's so much information there as a as a starting point. And and honestly, I mean, it really depends on how serious you want to take it. If, if you're somebody that's more of a hands off approach, then I agree, um, you know, have somebody else do all the work for you and let them take care of it. But if you're really interested in getting into something like that, you need a you need a mentor. Right. Like my brother was saying is like you got to, you know, follow somebody. If you're into flipping, find somebody who's killing it in that game and say, man, how can I help you? What can I can I write up your contracts? Can I do something for you? And same thing, if you're an agent, finding someone who's experienced in that in that field that is investor friendly that knows how to break down numbers, that knows how to analyze deals and, and take that and learn. And I think if you have that desire, you'll be able to you'll be able to find deals and, and take advantage of, of those opportunities when they come. You got to be careful, too, though, like, yeah. you know, with mentorship, because there's a lot of fake gurus out here, especially with the growth of social media, oh where they make oh it seem God, like yeah. they have some kind of large motion, but they really don't own any property. So. 
Um, if you are going to, you know, entrust in a mentor, I would say, you know, vet them, you know, ask them pertinent questions like, you know, and ask them to, you know, produce certain paperwork. Like if they if, if they got deals, the if, they, if, if they if they have closed deals, they should have HUDs. That's yep. the that's the that's yeah. the that's the best yeah. way to you know identify. True words they, couldn't have been spoken. Correct, yeah. you know, and it happens you know so much. I see it on social media all the time. People buy fake followers, and then they stand in front of somebody else's investment property um, or a vacant property or a distressed one and act like it's theirs, and then they get people to sign up for whatever mentorship course. It I don't is. know why I'm surprised that's a thing. Like, that, like, that blows my mind. That's possible. But this I'm is why I don't surprised. scroll through social media. I have very key surprised. people that I, I'll I look at them. I call them false prophets. <laughs> false prophets. No, tons of false prophets. Miami YPN is not one, though. We got many prophets. <laughs> many prophets here. Uh, well, I, I, understanding where the problem is, problem not only here but everywhere in the country is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. That's why trailer parks are getting... <laughs> really, really hot Not only like no, trailer parks, like here. just buying one mobile home. Mobile home, yeah. You can buy a mobile home and give someone affordable housing. Yeah. It's true. Go forward ahead. That's a good point. There's no bigger security than providing something like that to someone else. Also, understanding that we help people build wealth through home ownership. I don't know what the number now is, but 10. 15 years ago, 90% of millionaires became millionaires through real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know with the, with the crypto and everything, that's that's kind of the old uh, stat, but it's still there. A lot of people are building wealth through real estate, and we should be building, since this is a podcast really tailored to realtors, we should learn how to start building wealth through real, real estate and also help other people build well, partnerships are so important, relationship, like the whole month I invested in finding the land and meeting developers this year, and we're only in April. Why? Because I see creating opportunities not only, not for myself really, but for more people because there are developers there that wants to build affordable housing. So if all I have to do is source the land and find a seller who would be happy happy to sell the land to developer and have developer building affordable housing, it's a win-win. That piece of land that I mentioned, it's affordable housing. Can we stack trailers here in Miami to make more affordable housing? Uh, and just because here. I'm immigrant yeah. and I jump over the wall doesn't mean I know how to nope. stack. But we're <laughs> <laughs> we're or starting no, to build container homes. Container homes, yeah. No, the <laughs> container homes are great, actually. We, we did one. It was a lot of work. Um, they've done like two documentaries on it so I far. Know. It's incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's got to be something we can do here. This is these are awesome solutions elsewhere, yeah. I guess. But and we're we're not gonna have trailer parks if, unless you stacked them here. Yeah. And if you're a realtor who you know encourages other their clients to purchase property and they don't and you don't own property yourself it's a bit of an oxymoron in my opinion so no it's a big uh, red flag <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit red it's a big red That's flag the first thing if i was a buyer i'd ask like how many properties do you own do you even own your home yeah and nobody asked the question you know <laughs> they just go by you know um a lot of people go off of relationships and stuff like that, and they entrust people with the largest purchase that they probably will ever make in their life. 
um, at one setting. You know, no, normally people don't spend thirty, forty thousand dollars in one setting ever, and to acquire like a six-figure um, entity. And you know, uh, I think that people should do a, a bit better job vetting whoever that they entrust in. You know, helping them find a property for themselves. You know, because. If you have somebody that's savvy uh, and, knows, and knows how to leverage into property, I've had tons of clients, you know, who, especially the ones who purchased through the pandemic, who are sitting on $150,000, $200,000 in equity. And now they're starting a, a year and a half later liquidate already, and they're getting the biggest paycheck they have ever seen or their family has ever seen in their life. So I think it's really big, you know, entrusting somebody that really understands how to get into properties with the least amount of money out of pocket. You know, and I think kind of like a quick cap on that is understanding that really no investment from a real estate perspective should really be that personal. Mm-hmm. It should not feel like you're so attached to it. I get that, yes, you may have to put your family in it for a while, mm-hmm. but you can also move your family. Yep. It's like if you can't find a way to make that thing work for you as I'm going to move on, and listen, you may have to make a quick adjustment for a couple of years because that's going to really change your, let's just call it your really net worth, right? The ability to have so much equity yep. and cash on hand because you're willing to move into a duplex for one year after buying your first home. And you got your first home renting out and it's paying you $1,000 a month. Now you can afford to take a duplex and go in at 3.5%, 5%, 25%. Now, whatever you've got available. So many opportunities that people don't think about. They just got to make the commitment. And that's what investing in real estate is. You're absolutely right. And another resource that I almost forgot to mention, our relationship with other agents. Oh, yeah. Because at at the beginning, I was not at the point to invest. I was at the point to survive. (laughs) Quite frankly, I was failing left and right. Yet I, I was able to source the deal and give to someone else. Now you take care of your co-broke agents. You never know when they go. And you, you ask them, hey, if you ever come across investment, you know, let me know. I don't even need commission. Just come to me and I'll be happy to you know, work things out with you. But you have to be a great human, respect others, and really treat co-brokes like you would treat sellers and buyers. Yeah. Because this is relationship business. And even though there is a 57,000 of us, it's a very small pond because people that are do- helping a lot of families are crossing roads more often than not. Yeah. I wanted to share a stat real quick that, um, you know, talking about uh, talking about the state of real estate, this is something I share with people all the time. Um, you know, when sometimes people have a concern about, oh, the market, you know, you hear the news, you hear this. But to me, this stat is one of the things that shows like the beauty of real estate and is that uh, U.S. households right now own 41 trillion in owner-occupied real estate, with just over 12 trillion in debt. So the national LTV in quarter two, this was of 2022, was 29.5%, the lowest since 1983. Wow. So that's insane. That means that there's all this equity sitting there, mm-hmm. and and that's amazing, right? In owner-occupied real estate, just in people who bought their homes. And, and live in that property and they have all this equity. Yeah. So when people worry like, oh man, what's gonna happen? It's like, what are you talking about? You know, like this is this is what's going on right now. Yeah, it shudders the fear, right? Yeah. It does, I like that. 
All right, uh, Mate, finish with the holy orders of real estate without talking about Sam's Club. <laughs> okay. Um, so we go to meet sellers often. So the first question majority agents do is how can I lease this property? I learned from someone that is much smarter than I am. First question is how can I buy it? The second one is how can I control it? What does that mean? How can I get into a partnership with a zero dollars out of my pocket and someone else do the whole funding, like Terrell mentioned? The, the third one would be how can I uh, flip it? And uh, the last one would really be how can I list it? Interesting. So there you have it. That's the way of going about it now. If you have the chance, if you have the money, buy it. If you don't have the money, find somebody to, uh, to help you out. You are the expert, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, these guys. It's these guys. It's we'll do the joint venture here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, so if you want to get hold of them, you can always reach out to Miami YPN or YPN.global, or their name tags have their Instagram handles at the bottom of it. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Just don't be creepy. Until next time, <laughs> take care. <laughs>